You're listening to Hey Doc, the show for and by people passionate about healthy living, hosted by Dr. Bridger Cutler and Dr. Caleb Valdez, two chiropractors seeking to make the world a healthier place. Hey, hey, this is Dr. Cutler. Welcome to Hey Doc. Got my co-host with me, Dr. Valdez. And today we're going to go over a topic that uh, kind of explains our philosophy on health. And uh, I want to just jump right into it and really, really kind of hit the points that are important to me. And and I know that he'll he'll throw some things and I'll kind of toss it back and forth and we'll have a little bit of a conversation here. But I want to go over the concept that everybody's an athlete. Um, and we kind of had to talk about this. I kind of want to preface this. We we sat down the other day and we started talking about like, okay, what is our mission? What is our goal for what we do, for what our practice is trying to do and trying to accomplish? Um, because I mean, him being, I mean, his specialty and, and loving pediatrics and, and pregnancy and me loving working with uh, athletes. And I mean, I, I've realized that both of our philosophies and our, our loves of different things have changed a lot. But what we did was we, we tried to find a common ground on things and like, how can we work together in the most effective way? And we, we came up with a statement, everyone's an athlete. Because we truly are, every single person's an athlete, from the smallest child to, to the oldest person, like to your grandpa, to your grandma. You have to think about all the different things that we have to do. And I feel like we've put the connotation on athlete and we, we, we associate that with being involved in a specific sport. And I think athlete has a lot more meaning than just being associated with sports. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I just think about this idea that you're constantly competing with yesterday's version of yourself. And so if you're moving that needle closer towards health and performance and function, then you're an athlete playing against yourself, your previous versions of yourself, and you're constantly trying to get better and you're training for life because, you know, if you step off a curb wrong and your body's not used to catching itself, you're going to sprain an ankle and yeah. that sucks. So by increasing your body's adaptability and preparing for whatever life throws at you, training in awkward positions, lifting, you know, loads that you might not ever have to lift, but it's really, there's so many benefits to just being adaptable to that yeah. type of loading. Yeah, and I mean, come on. As as we jump into something like that, we start talking more about that, and we 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 mention the word performance. And I think a lot of times when we mention the word performance, we're thinking about a specific activity, um, like a, a skill activity, something like piano, or in in sports like throwing a ball. How can I perform better at this specific task? And I think we need to take a step back and look at we have we have to perform correctly and perform optimally every day in our in our lives think about like lifting up a baby if you perform that optimally nothing's going to happen it's going to you can do it over and over and over again but it's the same thing like when someone lifts up a baby but they're bent over a little bit too much and they they haven't prepared or, or worked in that that motion they can hurt their back when you go to pick up your kid you twist your back wrong you haven't prepared yourself you haven't been ready to perform in that that way and it's not even the weight of a child a lot of times people come in with you know these things yeah I, I was i sneezed i i was doing my hair in the shower and i can't turn my head now and or um you know i was getting a sock out of the dryer i can't tell you how many times i hear that because when we're not weight bearing during night you know our discs get really full our muscles are still kind of waking up we're not our body's not in go mode yet and so but but even people like like me i mean I, I think the biggest thing and the reason why people have these crazy incidents where they, they have a disc flare up after, I mean, seemingly doing nothing or sneezing or something like that. I think it's intra-abdominal pressure. 
I think it's a lack of ability to create intra-abdominal pressure. And that comes from not loading the spine and not breathing the correct way. Because hmm. you have to think about that. Like when we have issues like that, it's because you are not guarding your spine in those motions. Okay. So when I sneeze, I'm creating intra-abdominal pressure. If I'm not used to that, it's going to put a whole bunch of different forces that my body's not used to. Yeah. And who knows what's going to happen. I'm not saying that's a directly thing. It's just a, just a theory on it, but I, I feel like that's probably one of those. So how do you, how do you, I mean, you said lift, but do you just like planks? Do breathe, you breathe, load your spine, load your spine. I mean, weight bearing exercises are going to be amazing for you, especially axial loading. So squats, deadlifts, stuff like that, but practice your breathing. Okay. Focus on that 360 degree breathing. And, and I talk about this a lot with patients and I've, I know I've talked about you a million times over this is, I mean, your, your lungs are shaped like pears, big at the bottom, small at the top. You need to initiate your breath with your nose because that's going to activate your diaphragm to push down. And what it does is it expands from your belly. So when I breathe, I should be expanding with my stomach. I shouldn't be expanding up here. If I'm constantly doing this, I'm working these accessory muscles. I'm getting so much, I'm less efficient, much less efficient. And this typically- Because you're breathing with, with the smaller parts. Yeah, of the smaller parts of the lungs. You're not getting as much of that, um, that volume that, that you need, that your lung is, is there for. We need to utilize our lungs for the, the fullest that they can. And we do that by initiating the breath with our nose. And that's also going to help us because another thing is, as we come right here, and I like always have people put their hand on their stomach and I'll have them breathe with their nose. And then I'll have them put their hand on my stomach like this and go and really take a deep breath into their nose. And I want them to feel, okay, where's all the pressure in my stomach going? And almost always it's just straightforward. And then people who constantly load their spine, who are consistent with that, a lot of times they'll be able to breathe backwards a little bit. And that's what I want. You have a built-in weight belt into your body. All these muscles that create your core, both front and back, those all contribute to that weight belt. And those are initiated and really stabilized with your breathing, with your diaphragm, because your diaphragm, I think in essence, that's a core muscle. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a core muscle because that's going to really help you brace, secure, give that structural stability to that spine. And so looking at that, that is an important thing for every single person. I don't care who you are, what you do, what your job is, how sedentary, you need that stability in your spine so that you don't come in and say, oh my gosh, I can't move. I sneezed wrong or I twisted wrong or I opened the door. <laughs> yeah. I, if you've ever watched a baby breathe, you know, it's, it's all stomach. They're using those main muscles mm -hmm. and that's just our innate way of breathing. But somewhere along the way, we, we kind of lose that. We also, we breathe into low stomach, but it's almost like behind your belly button or like behind your zipper muscles yeah. right there. And when, when we sing, you know, I, I, been involved with a lot of high performance singers that's those are those muscles because they it's deep it pulls everything down yes. to the bottom lobes of the lungs where you get the most alveolar exchange of those gases like all that stuff is so important and like you said once you can activate that you'll also notice that the back you know we breathe into our low back which is really weird to think of because a lot of us think with posture you're supposed to be breathing up here and yeah. that that just doesn't work. And then, I mean, another thing with that is I think a lot of people are so hesitant when you talk about like, well, I don't want to change anything about my diet and I want to lose, I really care about losing weight. I don't feel that, that fat or anything. Um, but when you have more abdominal fat, especially, especially intra-abdominal fat, that, that really bad fat that covers the organs and stuff like that, it's going to push out more. And that's when we start getting stuff like, I see a lot of men with diastasis recti where they have this coning right here, where they have this big herniation a bump. Yeah, the bump. I mean, if you, I want you to go and I want you to do a sit up. All right. 
any, anybody listening to this, go do a sit-up. See if you have a little bump that forms right in between where your abs should be. Okay, that's called coning. It's diastasis recti. It means that your abs are separating right there in the linea alba, and you're having a protrusion of those stomach contents through right there. That's a very bad thing. <laughs> all right? And that's why we need to lose intra-abdominal fat. I mean, besides all the other benefits to it, but that's a big thing right there because you have compromised your core. And if you think, if I'm going to start lifting something really heavy, I now have compromised this entire area because it's very weak. It's it's a spot of weakness where it can pop through. And I learned about this uh, a lot from one of my professors at, at Parker, um, Dr. D-Mac, she-Mac, she's awesome. Um, but she she asked everybody, she's like, does anybody in the class have a six pack? Of course, I raised my hand. I was like, oh, yeah, I do. And she's like, okay, I'm going to show you that you have a weak back. I was like, what? Like, I lift all the time. Like, I've lifted since I was 14. Like, I don't have a weak back. And she has me take off my shirt. She has me sit on the table. And she starts analyzing the things I was doing. And I realized that when I put my legs out straight, I start having a little bit of coning. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, what? What is going on there? And she's like, this is because you work only in one plane. You're not working the transverse abdominis. You're not working all the different muscles that contribute to your core. I was working my abs so much because I wanted big abs. So I had a six-pack. But I had a really weak core because I wasn't able to actually stabilize the way I needed to. And I think that's a huge thing is there's so many more muscles than just your rectus abdominis, transverse abdominis. If you're obliques, internal, external abdominal obliques, you have quadrasalum borum. I mean, we can call psoas a, a core muscle. I mean, all these different muscles right here that contribute to this, this stability. Yeah, psoas is a huge one. That's, that's the only muscle in the body that attaches onto the discs of the spine yeah. and invests into those fibers there. And so much of core stabilization is dependent on that muscle and for pelvic floor. Um, pregnant moms, you know, I'm working constantly on on getting those balanced and things uh, activated there. So for the average person that doesn't have a six pack that uh, is noticing this kind of coning and stuff, I remember one of the big like red flags in my mind was when I was leaning over to tie my shoes in the morning, I would either have to hold my breath or I'd have to it was uncomfortable to lean that far forward into flexion like that because there was so much visceral fat and pressure intra-abdominal that's not not good kind yeah. um, that was pushing against me. So that might be for the layman, you know, the average person walking around, if you're not able to breathe when you're in that position tying your shoes, that diaphragm has nowhere to go. It's it's pushing against way more mass than it's supposed to there. And that's that should be your first red flag that there's some visceral fat you need to address and there's some, you know, functional performance, breathing issues to start off with. Another thing just generally with breathing is our body depends on oxygen for so much with digestion, with fat metabolism, all that stuff. So if we're trying to do anything, we're trying to lose weight, be active, obviously, if we're sleeping, you know, poorly, if we're not digesting or metabolizing our food and, and absorbing those nutrients like we're supposed to, so much of that comes back to breath and breathing and and just not knowing how to activate those muscles. So no, I, I that's 100% true. And um, I mean, we're both big fans of a hostage tape. It's a, it's a brand. It's the tape you put over your mouth when you go to sleep. Yeah. I mean, awesome research and awesome results associated with that brand. And we can put a link to it. Um, we have facial hair, so we need special tape to yes, can work with wanna, beards or mustaches and stuff. <laughs> um, but honestly, I mean, breathing and that, that can help with like, snoring, all different things, um, cavities and stuff like that. You have to realize a lot of the, the cavity causing bacteria in your mouth are their aerobic bacteria. So they function off of oxygen. So when you deprive them of oxygen by closing your mouth, 
it means they're not going to grow as much. Mm-hmm. Slows down their enzyme activity and saves your teeth. Exactly. So benefits to being able to sleep with your mouth closed. Also, when you breathe through your nose, you oxygenate the sinus tissues, uh, what's called the nasal concha, and that is a big part of production of testosterone. It actually stimulates your testosterone, improves your recovery because you're oxygenating tissues that are supposed to be in contact with air, and you're not doing that with the ones that aren't in your mouth. Also, when he says testosterone, he's not just talking to men. That's right. Women, testosterone is a very important hormone for you as well. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's very important that you have your levels of testosterone at a, at a, at a level. It's going to be a lot lower than a man's, but it still needs to be at that, that maintained level. Yeah. And your body knows what to do as long as it has the oxygen levels that it needs and a, a, you know, all the other diet and stuff that we know we need to support it. So, yeah. And I, I want to throw another plug in when we're, when we're kind of the, the topic of six packs and core training and, one of the big things that comes down to core training is you cannot train your core effectively without proper breathing, right? You have to breathe while you're training your core and you have to recognize that there's a lot of positions. If I can breathe in any position, breathe functionally in any position, I'm going to be a lot better off in those positions because if I have to bend over and and tie my shoe and I have to hold my breath to do that, like it's terrible. If I have to bend over to pick up something and I can't like actually functionally breathe and brace my spine in those different positions, I'm, I'm compromising myself. I think that's one of the biggest benefits of yoga, you know. Yes. And a lot of people think of that for flexibility and things like that. But Hatha yoga, if you're breathing while you're doing all these different core activation positions and things like that, the Ayurvedics figured that out, that that is such a big part of I mean, if you function. think about the twisting positions that you're in, like when I'm in, if I'm in warrior pose right here, okay, or I'm coming some other sort of twist right there. I mean, there's so much torsion that's happening in my, my trunk but I'm still having to properly breathe, properly stabilize. Mm-hmm. And that comes from initiating that breath. My nose is where I'm going to get the best effect out of that. Yeah. Same thing with doing a sit-up. If you are not synchronizing your breath with your sit-up, you're losing out. You're not getting the most out of that, that exercise. Tell us about that. How should we be doing those? So you- if I'm doing a sit-up, I'm going to take a deep breath in through my nose. I'm going to exhale. As I come up to get that full contraction, I'm going to squeeze it. All right. And a lot of times what I'll do is I'll show people my stomach. I'll go big breath in. You'll see it expand. And then I'll go. And you can watch it contract like crazy as it contracts right there. I'm getting the full contraction of those of not just my rectus abdominis, but also you'll see that my, my tramp, I mean, transverse abdominis is kind of deep, but you'll see all of the other accessory muscles up here start to contract as well. Yeah. And that's one of those big things that we we need to have for that stability. And that's why breathing is so important because I'm not just working one muscle. I'm now engaging my entire core as well as my low back. When I'm breathing correctly and breathing with my nose, breathing with my diaphragm, I'm engaging my low back muscles as well. Yeah. And so when I'm breathing, the 360 degree breathing, I should be expanding backwards as well. I'll kind of put this so you can see it, but... And you have a really good cue for that to remind us. Yes. It's put your hand on your back like this, and I want you to breathe into your thumb. Got it. You should feel it expanding beneath your thumb. And your hand's just right on your, like, crest. Right yeah. And, and another big, another tip for when you're, you're training your core and you're doing sit-ups or stuff like that, if you want to activate the lower part of your core, which is the part that we, we neglect so often, do a, a, a pelvic tilt. Okay? I want to do an, a posterior pelvic tilt. So what I'm going to do is that's where it comes into... I mean, imagine there's a $100 bill underneath the small of your back. I want you to pin that $100 bill to the ground. And you're going to do that by kind of rotating and shifting your pelvis. So if we look at like my, my pelvis right here, it's kind of this little motion right there. So I'm doing this little shift back 
and that posterior pelvic tilt is really going to help activate the lower part of my core. Got it. You're a big fan of the McGill uh, curl. McGill Big Three. McGill Big Three. I mean, I, I recommend those to a lot of people, and we have a video. I have a video for that. Um, but I mean, awesome exercise when you do it the correct way. And that's one of the things is like you can definitely, and I'm going to tell you, I'll give you a, the reason why we have people come and we do that in the office and we charge for it is because we've gone through a lot of training on how to do it properly because so many people do things, but they do them very improperly. And you're training the wrong way. Yeah. You may be doing the right exercise, but you're doing it wrong. And so we don't have to, you don't have to be with me every single time. And it's, it's the same thing. And I've heard this from so many people who go and they do physical therapy after an injury. Like, Hey, I know this, like, I know how to do this. This is not that hard. Um, why can't I just do this at home? And I mean, sometimes if, if they're not really watching you, like, yeah, you could probably do it at home once you learn how to do it. But I want to teach you the first time I see you. And then I just want to check up every once in a while. I don't expect you to pay every time for me to, for me to teach you constantly over and over again, but I want to teach you and I need to be progressing those different things and, and finding a good practitioner, especially someone who can help you with, with these types of specific exercises, they should understand and be able to test where you're at, what your level's at to regress an exercise and to progress an exercise because progression in an exercise is that's super important because that's how I'm going to start to, to actually make progress with this. That's what we call a progression. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, all these different things, and that's just core training, which is important for every single person, no matter what your athletic capacity or your, your athletic inclination is. Everybody's an athlete. A mother's an athlete. You think about how much she's carrying ton of weight right here on the front. We need to strengthen Careful. things. <laughs> you're beautiful, <laughs> shining light to the world. And I love you. And you're amazing. All of you pregnant mothers and you mothers, period. You are beacons of hope and uh, so much respect. Okay, because I that, that's enough. <laughs> Good move. But, but, but yeah, we'll, we'll make sure that's all it. Uh, but yeah, you're carrying a, you're building a human for crying out loud. Yeah. And a lot of them are so focused on performing you know, performance during labor and delivery. And they just want to know, is baby in the right place? Are my hips moving the right way? Like, am I ready for labor delivery? Performance when you're pregnant, that's every day. That's getting up out of a chair. You know, that's yeah. walking around like that. There's a lot that's changing that we're adapting. Um, Dr. Nichelle Garuli, she has an amazing uh, approach to a lot of those movement-based things. Um, there's the birth fit, you know, movement, which we can put, which a, is, we put a, ta a tag yeah. for her. Amazing practitioners amazing. that are developing some really good resources for staying functional and, and moving during pregnancy because, yeah, that's that's a big part of it. But breathing is something all humans have to do. So you might as well learn to do it right and focus on those things that are core, that are essential to get the most benefit out of that. We're big fans of the Wim Hof method, uh, Turo breathing, some of these Tibetan oxygenation, you know biohacking if you want to call it that but i think breathing isn't biohacking that's just being a functional human so yeah but i mean it, it's gotten to the point where we we are so unused to breathing correctly that now it's become biohacking just breathing normally it's like, like oh did you know if you person. get oxygen in your body you do better <laughs> like oh wow tell me more about this and i mean you, you can go and you can read the research there's so many different books that come out like like breathe yeah it's a phenomenal book um so many different books right now that that have awesome awesome information on these different things especially about like mouth shape yeah like that is a huge thing dental problems orthodontic stuff like that if we could kind of re reestablish proper breathing techniques and start people start kids on them 
and teach kids how to breathe properly and how to how to do things like that. There's a lot of stuff that we could prevent them having to spend later in life on things like orthodontics and and dentistry. Yeah, and while those palates are forming a soft palate in the baby's mouth, yeah, it should have a nipple there to help it form symmetrically. Um, and so when you're breastfed, that mouth starts to form, and the tongue, the tone of the tongue, it pushes on those palates, gets everything That's a ready super for. Cool concept. Yeah. It's also really cool to think that tongue also hits the soft palate, the same structures that connect to the pineal gland in the brain. So it activates a lot of those creative energies, melatonin production, all that healthy stuff. I mean, the benefits are are endless. But so ladies, if we can get you to breastfeed, if, if you're able to breastfeed, it is anyway. it's ideal. And yeah. we understand that there's definitely situations in which you, you aren't able to have that milk production. And we feel for you. If you can find someone who can, a, a donor, for some donor milk, that'd be phenomenal. And he can go into more on that. Yeah, we'll do that in another yeah. another episode. But I want to pivot. I think the next thing for athletic performance um, and just being a human performance would be the importance of sleep and making sure that those routines are are protected as well. I'm reading a book right now called Why We Sleep. It's phenomenal. Um, any thoughts on on that for recovery for performance? I mean, this is this is a it's kind of a, a point of regret for me because I look back at high school and I was that kid that would spend two and a half, three hours in the gym every day. And then I would run five miles, like five times a week. My friends from high school can attest to this, that I was always wanting to work out. Anytime you're about to leave the gym, I would always grab dumbbells and do a couple more sets of stuff because I was just, that was just me. And I thought the harder I worked, the more I worked, the, the more jacked I'd get, the better off I'd be. But I really didn't make that much progress especially for like how much testosterone I should have had. But I look back at my sleeping patterns, my recovery, my, my nutrition, and it was garbage. Like I was not like, I didn't eat. Uh, there was a parts where I, I ate terribly. Like there was probably a, there was a two week period in high school when I was in wrestling where I ate salads and pop tarts. <laughs> All I ate was salad and pop tarts. I would not, yeah, I would not recognize. <laughs> I mean, I would not recommend that to anybody. Terrible, terrible. If only I knew then what I do now. And, and that's one of those things is I want, I want people to realize that it doesn't matter what time in your life, whether you're young, whether you're old, it's important that, that sleep is, is there because I only slept like maybe six hours a night and sleep is where so much of that and consistent sleep, getting to bed at the same time every night, getting, I mean, seven to eight, seven to nine hours. When you get into that sleep cycle, there's a lot of stuff that happens right as you initiate sleep, when yeah. your body powers down get growth hormone release, all this stuff that starts the process. The rhythm. All these people that yeah. are supplementing with melatonin, don't supplement with melatonin, please. We are we are on that soapbox yes. right now because <laughs> it down-regulates your body's production. Your body's very efficient. And if you're feeding it melatonin, it's not going to create its own. And then eventually you're going to have to get higher and higher doses because your body's producing less and less. And it throws off that circadian rhythm. But consistency is so key with sleep because all that stuff that happens right at the beginning of your sleep cycle has to happen at the same time in the same way each night. Yeah. And so if you miss the first hour and a half of your sleep of your bedtime because you're, you know, up doing whatever, your your body is so confused with that rhythm and it takes it takes a long time to recover from that. Yeah. So and I mean that's why like one of those things if you were used to a specific schedule and then you throw that off, that's why you're so effective is because now your hormones are all kind of skewampus. Your cortisol is probably going to be higher during the day because you weren't able to maximize recovery at night. And there's so many different benefits. I mean, I don't want to say what's the opposite of a benefit. Right now. There we go. Like detriments. A, so many different detriments yeah. um, that, that happen. Yeah, bad things. 
that happen when you when you kind of lose that consistency there and, and throw off the cycle. I and mean, we talk a lot about circadian rhythm and stuff like that. And there's a lot of different people, especially Dr. Huberman, who talks about that and the importance of getting sunlight in the early hours of the day and then cutting off lights at night, having is the least amount of light light exposure at night, because that's going to help get that that rhythm and really release those hormones um, that, that help you to feel tired so that you can actually fall asleep. I think a lot of people try to chemically manipulate that circadian rhythm by, you know, spiking caffeine or sugar levels in the morning, and then they take a melatonin or, or some, you know, sleep aid at night to try to crash back out. And that just prolongs and, and compounds the problem because you, now you're dependent on, on these chemical cues instead of your, your circadian cues of just waking up and falling asleep. I think camping is phenomenal for resetting that because you're kind of limited to, yeah. first of all, firelight, you know, does all kinds of great things for melatonin production in your brain, but but being tied to the earth's natural lighting, um, aside from flashlights, is really a great way to reset that rhythm if, if you're just completely confused on when you should be waking up or going to sleep. Yeah. So. No, I mean, that's phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, great information. And that's the thing is sleep is important for every single person. It doesn't matter who you are. Sleep is important for you. If you want to maximize your life and your happiness performance in life and just be healthier, sleep. Get consistent sleep. And, and try to try to get long enough. Okay. And, and that's going to make such a big difference if, and I know uh, Matt, Matt Frazier, uh, CrossFit guy who won the CrossFit games five times, phenomenal athlete. He, I remember in a podcast, I think he said, if sleep, if like, if, if you could, if we didn't have to sleep, it would be a banned substance. Like if we weren't required to sleep, it would be a banned substance because it is that effective. Okay. Because that's what's going to maximize your testosterone. It's like it's like having steroids. If you're sleeping consistently, you're gonna be fine. Like I look at my little brother. I have, I have one little brother who is six foot three, just I mean, grew like a sprout, like crazy, more than any of us. And just, but he slept all the time in high school. He was constantly sleeping, and that was allowing his body to recover. And like he didn't work out near as hard as I did. I was like, what the heck? This kid's getting so much larger than I am. And it's because he was so consistent with his sleep. He was constantly sleeping. He was getting to bed. He was eating enough too. Because that's the next thing I want to talk about is the nutrition part of this. I don't care what your athletic capacity or what, again, what your athletic inclination is. Your nutrition is important. What you eat is directly going to affect every aspect of your life. I mean, you can't name one aspect of your life that isn't affected by what you eat. Yeah. Like I would. would A calorie is not a calorie. Like. What in essence, uh, a calorie is a calorie if we're talking about weight loss, but then we have to look at, there's other factors that, that do play into it. And I know like Lane Norton, he's all about calories, a calorie, like calories in calories out and calories are king. If you want to lose weight, eat less calories than you burn. If you want to gain weight, eat more calories than you burn. But there are other, other aspects to what we eat that play, that come into play. The toxins that are involved in the foods that we eat, as well as different things with the food that. I mean, maximizing your metabolic, um, your metabolism, like how fast your metabolism, how much is your metabolism going to burn? How much are you able to process and how are you able to utilize those, those nutrients? Because you can eat a lot of empty calories and the empty calories we talk about are calories where we're really not getting any micronutrients from that. We're getting the macronutrients, we're getting the calories, but we're really not getting any the micronutrients. And those micronutrients are so important for the, the processes that we do because we have coenzymes, covitamins, different things that are involved in that, that we need for everyday life, for proper function of our body, for proper function of our metabolism, for proper sleep. So calories are king, 
But there's so much more that we need to be aware of that it is important what you eat because a calorie is a calorie, but an empty calorie versus a, a calorie that's like a, let's say a full calorie or a, a nutritious calorie, you're going to get more and be able to utilize more from that because it's, it's also providing those micronutrients that's going to help you on that, that smaller level. And I noticed that you're very big on timing as well, as far as when you fuel your body, um, being consistent with that and knowing and I'm sure that varies with, you know, bio-individuality and everybody's schedule yeah. and things like that, like when you're working out and all that, but you're very regimented in when you, when you take those calories. Yes. And, and I like that you, you mentioned bio-individuality because that is very specific and there's, I mean, there's research, some people, some people claim like best times to eat certain calories. I mean, you can eat whenever you want. Other people like, it doesn't matter if you eat right before you go to bed. I'm sorry, but I, I definitely don't believe that eating right before you go to, just before you go to bed, especially a bunch of carbs, it's going to, I mean, crank up your brain activity and you're not going to be able to sleep as well. And so in essence, you're not going to recover as well. And recovery is king. Well, it spikes your insulin, you know, response. And so you yeah. feel tired, you're ready for bed, but it also cranks up your whole digestive system. And that's used to functioning when you're ready to burn it and, and use it. And so 2 a.m., 3 a.m., whenever you're done digesting what you just ate, your body's ready to go. And and I can definitely tell, you know, monitoring my my heart rate variability on nights when I ate late, my body just has all this energy and and has gone through this whole metabolism process, but there's nothing to do with it. Yeah, so. no, absolutely. And I mean, I'll, I'll use my dad as an example. I uh, recently, he, I mean, he's, we've always heard with oatmeal, it sticks to your ribs, right? It, <laughs> lasts, it gives you energy all day. day. Yep. Sticks to your ribs. That sticks to your ribs. It gives you a nice, nice little bundle of fat there to <laughs> eat off of. But my dad, my dad is very consistent. He's like, and he always thought, okay, it's healthy for me to do this but he pour himself a thing of, of oats. And I don't think he realized how many oats he was using. I, in fact, I'm positive. He didn't realize that the amount of oats he was using was a lot of calories. I mean, it was probably like 86 grams of carbs that he was putting. Cause I mean, it was, it was a lot. Yeah. Cause we were like, Oh yeah, I'm only putting in like one serving. No, you put in four servings right there. Like you don't understand how small a fourth of a cup or a half a cup is. And you have to recognize how many calories in something like that. Also, there's other things that go on with oats. Um, we won't get into that right now. Well, we can talk about that. On a different We're way. on a whole oat soapbox. But, <laughs> but what happened is I told him, I was like, Hey, instead of eating a ton of carbohydrates in the morning, right when you wake up and spiking your insulin and, and really putting your body in this, this method of like storing at the very beginning part of the day, I just want you to switch. And I just want you to eat an omelet. Just eat a big omelet, like have at least two full eggs and then egg whites if you want, or three eggs and some egg whites. And really just focus on the fats and the proteins. And I was like, you can put cheese with it. And he's, I mean, he's like, I feel better. I'm noticing a big change in my gut. He's like, I've lost weight. And just from changing one thing in the morning, you'll feel more full in that beginning part of the day. You aren't going to feel like super hungry before lunch. But that comes back to, and that's just, that's for anybody. That's for, for me, I have to eat a lot more carbs because I know I'm going to eat, I'm going to work out probably my first time um, earlier in the morning. And I have to eat before or else I just feel like garbage when I work out. And so I eat a lot more carbs in the morning. But that's where you have to learn what your body's uh, needing. And think of it this way, like whatever you put your body up. So you're, you're in a deprivation or starvation mode for most of that night, you know, um, cause your body doesn't need energy. It's not, it's not digesting things. You wake up and your body is in a mini starvation mode. It's been fasting. So break, break fast breakfast. Whatever you put in your body there is typically what I notice it craves the rest of the day. And so if I have a good balanced protein and fat, you know, laden breakfast, 
not a lot of sugar and carbs. The rest of the day, I don't have these insulin spikes and 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 I mean, it's going to help your ghrelin and and leptin, and it's it's really going to help with the satiety hormone release. Yeah, you know body. when you're full, and yeah. so you know those hunger cues are reset there. Also, staying hydrated during those early morning yeah. hours because yeah, we lose a lot of what they call insensitive water loss just through respiration and stuff like that. Again, that tape really helps keep your body hydrated better than than it usually does, but. Um, staying hydrated and then and then watching that that first meal it is the most important meal of the day but not because that's what you should be loading up everything yeah. on it's it's that's what's setting up your cues for that day and so that's where it comes down to the nutrient timing specifically i like to eat and i recommend eating carbohydrates around my around my my exercise like when i'm exercising the, the most so like before and around like before and after my my first workout of the day and if i'm going to do a second workout I'll usually have a little bit of carbs before and a little bit of carbs afterwards. I usually won't have as many carbs after that second workout, but I'll have a bunch of carbs around that first workout because I know I need my body to be kind of in the anabolic state because that's what my goals are. Okay. You do not have to do that if you're just working out just to maintain or anything like that. But I would recommend eating your the majority of your carbs around when you exercise during the day because your body's going to be more, most primed to utilize those instead of store them. Yeah. And we can help you figure out what your body responds best to. If you come in here, set up a nutritional consult with Dr. Cutler, it doesn't have to be a long involved process in terms of meal prep and, and getting that you can, we prep at the beginning of the week and eat that all week. Um, and so it's an easy grab and go solution. It's cheap. It's very time efficient. Um, your whole life doesn't have to revolve around what you're eating and when, uh, but when you master that, it frees up so much energy and, and thought process for all the other stuff that you have to be doing that it, it really saves some time. Yeah. I mean, big, big differences there. And that's something we've, we've talked about, like nutrition, we've talked about a little bit of exercise and that's, we'll, we'll, we'll go a little bit more into to exercise specifically. Everybody should be doing at least 30 to 60 minutes of exercise a day, even on your rest days. I know a lot of people take Sunday as their rest day and they do absolutely nothing. That's not a rest day. Oh, that's not a recovery day. Yeah. That's a lazy day. <laughs> like you should still go on a walk for 30 to 60 minutes. Like get some activity, get some blood pumping, like, lymph. Yeah, lymph through. flow. We need to get. We still need to get that motion in there. And I notice on the days when I like, if I don't do anything, I my my appetite is out the wazoo. Like it's crazy. I just want to eat everything, and I want to eat tons of sugar. My body's like, hey, just pack it in. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so even on those days, and I mean, even if you're not going to do like a big workout that day, wake up in the morning, go on a walk, walk for thirty minutes. If you have like a treadmill at your house, just walk on the treadmill. Yeah. Okay. You do that in the morning when you first wake up, you get the sunlight and this resets your circadian rhythm and it prepares you for, for eating. Um, so you get all the birds with one stone. Yeah. It's going to spike your metabolism as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So many different benefits to that. Yeah. I mean, really, really different things that can, that can help a lot. And another thing that comes down to everybody's an athlete, everyone should be doing at least some sort of resistance training. Well, and just for menstrual health, eating in a caloric surplus with resistance training, there's so much. When you activate those large group muscles, you're moving hormones in and out of yeah. membranes where they need to be, you know, to, to get fully functional. And so if, if you're struggling with really heavy flow or really, you know, irregular periods and things like that, most of the time, I, I know athletes get a bad rep for that, like these Olympians that, you know, are just putting their body through the paces, but there's most people don't do enough with their body and, and they have the opposite problem. Yeah, their body focus not on the too much. much and they're yeah. like, Oh my gosh, these people like they're constantly doing that. I definitely should do that. 
No, they do it all the time. Like an Olympic athlete is a different level. Yeah. Like they're freaks for a reason. Good freaks, but they're freaks for a reason because they put in so much time, so much effort. You need, you still need to have some in there. And I mean, there's so many, so many problems would come from uh, addressing your breathing, staying hydrated, dialing in your nutrition, doing some resistance training, and then getting your circadian rhythm, your sleep cycles and things back on track that eliminates all the low hanging fruit. Aside from just making sure your nervous system is is functioning well, getting adjusted chiropractically, um, most people don't need a sixty thousand dollar visit to the Mayo Clinic to run all these kinds of tests, and or even a blood panel, which is helpful in some cases with this. But let's just start doing the things we know we should be doing, and then we can. If you really want to be a higher performance athlete after that, then we dial off and, and you know get into the weeds on some of those those bigger issues. But ninety nine percent of the issues that we face are just forgetting to be healthy yeah. humans. I mean, I would I would venture to say at least 90% of the world's healthcare problems right now, especially the US, Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give the, the grace period about 10%, whether it's trauma, whether it's just a congenital, something like that, um, toxins, things like that. But even toxins can kind of be addressed in that 90%. Yeah. Lifestyle, nutrition, exercise, sleep something like 87 percent of type 2 diabetes cases resolve with exercise and, yeah. and dietary changes like look at those those things are crazy it's crazy to look at the numbers and realize guys we're we're killing ourselves yeah. by, by doing all these things and by by not having self-control like that is that is so important you have to be the master of your own body and, and that's something that gets stronger with time that also adapts and yeah. so if you wake up Let's say the last thing in the world you want to do is, is go to the gym. Just just get your shoes on and go walk around for a half hour outside. Yeah. Get some sunlight in the morning to wake your body up. Get some blood flow and lymph moving. Get hungry for breakfast. And then gradually work to the point yeah. where you can actually be consistent with those types of things. And I'm not I'm not saying go out, go full David Goggins, which I have all the respect in the world for the man. Guy's an animal. But like he has some great ideas. Like he would always lay out his stuff right by the door. He knew all I got to do is just slide those on. Remove the friction. Mm-hmm. make it easier for you to make the right decisions, especially early in the day. If you make the decisions you don't want to do early in the day, it'll be a lot easier to make the decisions that you don't technically want that are harder later on in the day. You have a lot more self-control. And that's why when you talk to like listening to someone like Joe Rogan, he talks about ice baths all the time. He does his first thing in the morning because he hates it. <laughs> he never likes it. When you wake up in the morning and you're warm and you don't want to jump in a freezing cold bath, but making that decision you don't want to do very first thing in the day makes all of the other hard decisions you have to make later on in the day easier. Yeah. And it is very easy to be lazy and unhealthy these yeah. days. That's what our society caters to. And so if you remove that friction and you do the hard thing first, that gets it gets easier to do the hard thing because your body adapts. And there's so much research on the hormone, you know. We talked just in a recent episode about testosterone levels and how effort feels better when your testosterone is, is dialed in where it should be. So those types of changes, little incremental changes, make each one bigger and bigger. And your snowball starts rolling back uphill the right direction towards health because you're making those, those hard decisions uh, a lot faster and a lot easier. And your body changes quicker because of it. So. Yeah. No. And that really, that's for me, that's the core of being an athlete. Uh, that's competition. It's discipline. It's it's driving yourself to be better each day. Forget the fact that you're not in front of a bunch of spectators or, or going for a, a medal or something. This this is really just about about performing better each time that you you set to do something. Yeah. So. And it it really is not making little steps, guys. 
little steps. I know it seems like a big, a big thing, but consistency in the little things is what makes the biggest difference. Okay. If you're just like, well, now I have to start trying to work out an hour and a half, two hours. I have to work out as much as Dr. Color works out. I have to work out as much as Dr. Valles worked out. No, you don't. Get start with 10, 10 minutes. Pick just, something in your fridge you know probably shouldn't be there. Throw it out. We'll talk about those in the future. Um, yeah. He's going to have some little workouts and meal prep, you know, um, snippets on our, our yeah. Instagram we'll do, page. We'll do some like videos where I go and I, I kind of show you how to read a nutrition label, what things to look for, what things to avoid, how to look at like proteins, carbs, fats, and, and be like, okay, well, this probably is something that I should be prioritizing in my diet. Yeah. Just pick one of those things and maybe just phase that out. And at, at some point your body's going to forget about it. You're not going to crave it anymore. You're, you're, you have an addiction at this point, but it's never too late to make that type of a change. I don't care if you have had failed surgical attempts. If you, if you've been on every diet known to man since you were 12, there is always hope to, to make a change now in your lifestyle that as long as you're committed to the long-term benefits of consistency, you don't have to upend your entire life right now. Just make those small steps back the right direction and know that you're, you're adjusting your life to be better um, along the way. Everyone's an athlete. Every single person that's alive is an athlete. No matter what your age, no matter what your capacity, you are an athlete in your own right. And Philosophically, focus on that. the fact that you own and operate a physical body with a functioning nervous system means that you have the responsibility to keep that in, in the best shape that it possibly can be. Realize that there are people who aren't born with the same type of body or a functioning nervous system. You know, there's coma patients that would love to have yeah. the awareness. You're talking about of some privilege? That. You have a body. It functions. <laughs> yes. Human privilege. We are all utilizing your privilege. Yeah. So optimize that and the biggest, you know, um, I don't want to say cop out, but the reason that I hear a lot of people don't have time for that is they're taking care of everybody else in their life. You know, you're a busy mom. You've got kids that are depending on you. You're a, you know, you're a provider for your family. You're a dad that has a job and all that stuff. And I hear, well, I'd rather spend time with my kids or be at work. And that's putting everybody else first. And eventually that debt is going to come due. They're going to be taking care of you in your older age or when your body breaks down or, or when you're not healthy. Also, 30 minutes. I guarantee you have 30 minutes at some point during your day or 20 minutes. Yeah. Go on a walk. Do do some jumping jacks. Take your kids with you. Yeah. Like make it a family. Have thing. your kids come into the room and do a little exercise with you. One of the cutest things in the world is those <laughs> little foam weight sets they make for kids. Yeah. Like just give them a jump rope. That and like small skis. And if you show them, if you show the kid that you are really making an effort on this, you want to talk about making an imprint on your kids. It's going to last their entire life. Yeah. A healthy imprint, a good thing to do. That right there. That's not the kid that's going to show up in our office someday and be like, well, diabetes runs in my family and it's genetic. And this is, I have heart, heart disease and high blood pressure because my dad had that. My grandpa had that. My great grandpa. It's like, no, you change the culture of your family early on or now. Best time to do it is 20 years ago. Second best time is right now. <laughs> um, very doable. And, and you can make those small incremental changes, but they're going to have lasting generational cultural, your, your family is going to change because of those, that commitment to excellence. And yeah, if you, everybody's an athlete, every family is a team and, and they're going to be there and, and we're here for you. Sometimes as your coach, sometimes your teammate, sometimes just as a, you know, as a spectator there, just cheering you on. So we, we want to see you perform. We want to help you with that. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I feel like this is like a, a good talk right here. Got through a lot of different points and we can go into a lot more detail on, on certain parts and we will. 
um, kind of bring up more of the research and different methods you could do to kind of maximize recovery nutrition wise. If you have any questions, please leave them down in the comments. Um, message us on, on social media, whatever you need to. We'd love to, to get to know you a little bit more. And if you have anything you want us to talk about, we'd love to address it. So Dr. Cutler signing off. Have a great day, guys. Be an athlete.